Here's the deal. So whenever I preach on something, something happens. We're going to talk about grace. So, oh, I need grace this morning. I blew the song. You know, it's like, ooh. I've done it hundreds of times, but then just some, ooh, it just went. I mean, you just got to laugh about it because you know what? God isn't, doesn't really, you know, we're not, we're not trying to um, show. He wants more of a heart that is real. You feel like if you don't feel it, you don't feel it. But sometimes we press through until we feel it. Amen? There's a good place to be. There's a good place with God. There's a place that he has for you. I believe that. When Moses cried, show me thy glory, remember when he was already on the mount for all these days, and yet he wanted more? What was up with that? I think the more we get from God, the more we want. Because we realize that's where life really is. That's when the load begins to become light. That's when the burden begins to not be. Because his, his burden, it's his burden, it's his load. He makes it light. He lightens our load. So why do I worry about so many things? Because we're human, we struggle, we mess up, we fail, but God. And that's our title today. But God. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, we started chapter 1 last week. Talked a little bit about the blessings of the Lord. How he has already provided a way for us to, he called it redemption. We are purchased by his blood. It cost the Lord his blood for our salvation. And not to take it for granted, but to be thankful. Paul is writing from a prison cell. He could have threw in the towel by now. He could have said, this is too hard. Why should I suffer? Why should I be beaten? But he knew that they were eternal rewards. For those who remain faithful, for those who will persevere, and stay to the stuff, stay to the word, stick to the faith, and keep going no matter what. Because the former way of life is no life. The past is in the past. And that's what he's reminding in the second chapter. By now he says, you were dead. He's talking to the believers. He's talking to the the people, the saints of God, you were dead. Now, what's up with that? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. I think, in partial, in order to really figure out how saved we are, we have to understand how lost we were. How distant, how separated, how... He says later, no longer a stranger to God. I don't want to be a stranger to God. Uh, 
I want, I want, I want to be a familiar. I want to be his. And so when we approach the throne of God, it's not, it's not as a stranger we come as his child. You are part of his family. You come because you are invited. You, you come because you belong to him. And we are in his kingdom. You were dead. Past. In the past. It's gone. When we confess, when we believe, when we lay it at the feet of Jesus, he takes it, it is removed. Sin is no more an issue. Yes, we sin as we go along. In time, we don't even know we're sinning and we're still learning. That's where grace of God that's where the grace of God. We were dead, we were doomed. Uncaring about the things of God, unconcerned about what is on his heart, unconcerned, only unconcerned, only if it's for what's in it for me. And he changes our hearts from what's in it for me to what's in it for you, Lord. What do you want, Lord? What is your will today, Lord? What is your heartbeat for this decision, Lord? What do you think about this? Can you help me direct it? Can you help me hear what you're saying? You see, there's a the next verse, too, in which you formerly walked according to the course. There's a course of this world. There's a course that, in, that is a spirit, uh, that is a power that is of the air, that is a spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. It is, comes not from God, but it comes from the enemy. A spiritual dynamic, a spiritual course that is set on fire by the enemy. Destructive forces, just, uh, just kind of like a what's in it for me. How can I how can I benefit from the most of this life? Nothing in this world will take the place or can quench the thirst of the inner man or the soul. Right? Nothing. Until we are found seeking him until he has revealed himself to us. And we go, oh, I am a dead man without God. I cannot save myself. No matter how good I try to be, I mess up. No matter how many works I try to do to outweigh my bad, I, I still fail. And this is a deception. What it, what it all boils down to is, I cannot save myself. He reminds them, verse 3, of their former lifestyle, living for their selves, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature children of wrath. In other words, God will judge the world. Now we come to verse 4, which we, we want to camp on a little bit with the title, But God. 
What is it about God? Those two words describe God did something about our situation. When I could not save myself, when I cannot be good enough, when I cannot walk and behave, I cannot think the way I should think, God intervenes being rich because he's rich in mercy and because of his great love, with he loved, loved us even when we were dead. Dead means dead spiritually, dead to the things of God. Now, there's a lot of spirituality in the world. There's a lot of spiritual warfare, spiritual dynamics that are taking place in the world right now. And they're trying to mess up the plans of God. They're trying to interact and distract people from the real truth, which will set them free. But God, being rich, mercy, because his great love with he loved us even when we were dead and our transgressions are uncaring, caring. Why should I go to church? Why should I give to mission? Why should I pray? Why should I treat others as would have them treat me, love my neighbor as myself. Why should I forgive? You have been saved, made alive, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive. It was like we were a basket case. We were a throwback. We were throwaways. We were discarded. It was nothing good about us. It was nothing. Paul said, it was nothing good in my flesh. And he raises up. You've been saved by grace. In verse 6, he raises up with him. He's, he's raising us up. He's resurrecting us out of the pit. He's resurrecting us out of our despair, out of the, out of the sinfulness. And he's seating us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved. We've heard that often. For by grace you have been saved. There's two more words I want to make sure we emphasize. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So it's not automatically that God is saving people. We have to understand this. God is not forcing people. God is not saying, well, you're okay. I'll just let you in. What he's saying is, I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you, I'm inviting you. You have to make the choice. You have to decide. This grace is for you. you this is a gift through faith. What is the faith thing? The faith is in what he's already done for you. The faith is in not what I can do. It's what he's already done for me. The faith is in believing that he suffered on the cross. The faith in that he is resurrected, and he is alive today. He's living and well, and he comes to dwell within a heart who opens up. That's faith. And when we're tested, and when things go fall apart in this life, when things aren't like we thought they would turn out to be, when things are like, by now we should be like this, you know, and we, we, we try to summarize, and we try to figure it out. We don't have the answer. Then our faith is tested. Why would Job be tested as he was when he was a righteous man, says in the word? 
when God allowed that. And we don't, we don't have the answers. It's okay not to have all the answers. Amen? Guess what? I don't have all the answers. Guess what? God does. I'm an ordinary man. He's an extraordinary man. I am human. He's supernatural. But he wants to dwell in you. Because he's chosen you. Because we read in the first chapter, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He, before he ever brought into creation, he had a plan in his, in his mind that he would send his son. He already had that in motion. It was already on the heart of God. When we were dead, we were not yet connected to the vine. We were just dead. No fruit, dead. Uncontrolled, we just lived for ourselves. Now, wherever you started with the Lord, it doesn't matter. You know, if, you were, if you're five years old or you're 50 years old, is still as dead as dead can get spiritually without Jesus. But the good news is that wherever and whoever and however your situation is, when you say yes to God, it happens. God is faithful to his word. Those who will believe, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you shall be saved. And the salvation is instant. Now, the next stage starts where you become a follower. And so you're following, pursuing. Now you're learning how to be a disciple. You're learning how to, what is it that God wants me to do with my life? We're discovering what's my calling, what's my purpose. Why am I here? And this leads me to Second point, where we read, we read later in the chapter. I'm going to skip fast forward in to verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. No longer strangers. He talked about the covenant in previous verses. He talked about the sign of circumcision. He talked about those people in verse 13, now in Christ Jesus, who were formerly were far off, have been brought near. Those who were yet to come. Those who have yet to believe. Though are those who have yet to come to know Jesus. They are strangers to God. They're just not familiar with this voice. They have not yet tasted of the Lord. How many know that God loves strangers? He loves all people. And he wants strangers to become his family. He wants the stranger to know who he is. He wants the strangers, those who are not uh, in relationship, to come into relationship. Those who are far off, those who are, 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 are in, in opposition and don't even know it, those who are serving something else. 
He has opened the door. He has rent the veil. Is, is, is made access for us. In Hebrews 4.16, he says, Therefore, draw near with confidence. We don't have to say, Well, I, I hope the Lord will heal my, hear my prayer today. We don't have to try to somehow get his attention. We just simply come. We begin to, it helps to begin to draw near. Take that step. To the throne of grace. Notice how he says the throne of grace. His throne is the throne of grace. In order to even want to come to his throne, I, I believe this is the grace of God. In order to want God is the grace of God. Think about that for a moment. In order to even want to believe. And sometimes we've got to pray, Lord, help my want to. Right? I, and in one, one place in Scripture it says, Lord, I believe, but I, I'm, I'm struggling. Help my unbelief. Help my tendency to want to try to have it all figured out and figured out my way. When it's God's way. When we come up short, we begin to sink. We cry out like Peter when he was walking on the water for a bit until he saw the waves. This can't happen. This can't. Oh my, look at how we know. This is impossible. Our eyes must connect with his eyes in the spirit by faith. We, we come to him because there's a cross that that cross represents the price that was paid. The penalty was blood. The penalty, the penalty was death. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. You need to be familiar to know his voice. Be familiar with his presence. Nothing can take compare, nothing can compare to his presence. When we understand that no person in this world can fill my void. No person. Yes, we are to be connected in the body of Christ. Yes, we are brothers and sisters of the Lord. It's all a part of God's plan. But no one person can ever take the place of the God for who he is wanting your heart and you wanting his. You become his children. No longer strangers. No longer aliens. Because we're, we're going to his home this life is not our real home. Heaven above is a real home. And we we and when we see him, we shall be like him, right? Because we shall see him just as he is. And he who formed you and knows you, he says, there's a place for you. So as we learn 
to push through the barriers, to push through brokenness. At verse 14, we read it of our text, he himself is our peace, who made both groups. What's he talking about? He's talking about the nation of Israel and Gentile. He's, he's saying this, both groups are made into one. This was unheard of. Yes, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that there would be other nations, but other nations and Israel together? Uh-uh. But the Lord is taking the both of them. And so we're blending, we're adopted, we're grafted in from Romans. We're growing into and so I thought for a visual this morning, I'd bring a bag of rocks to church. Because we read, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple. Now, if I can have your permission, I'm going to attempt to build some sort of a wall. Now, I picked out two stones that kind of like have a corner. You see, can you, can you notice that? They're kind of squared. So if you're a stonemason, you probably want to start with your corner with someone of a already God made a corner. All right, we'll put that up. We'll put that right here. Jesus, the cornerstone. Right? What happens now? If you were a mason guy, You'd have mortar, mud, they call it, mixed, and you'd have a trowel, and you'd start to set these rocks, it's like so. And you'd turn them, and you'd look at them, and you try to pick them, and you're always looking for that right rock. That will... You don't want to have joints that are that far apart because that makes it look unprofessional. And so you start to layer rocks out, and sometimes we don't always fit. doesn't always feel comfortable. And the process is, the, the, the good thing is that we're aligning ourselves with Jesus. If we were to pull a string from here to here, we could keep these rocks really decently straight. I don't have a rock to go all the way across. I know how to fix that. We'll shorten the wall up. How about that? Now, there's more rocks. We have all kinds of rocks that look different. You ever threw rocks in the water when you were a kid? 
Never picked up rocks. You thought, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to take that one home. Jesus is here. Let me turn this around. There you go. He's aligning our life. He's filling in. He's placing us. He, there's another demonstration of this whole thing with Peter. Paul talks about Jesus as the cornerstone. Paul, Peter talks about the living stones that we are growing. And so this one, yeah, it's going to, it'll work. We'll make it work. By the grace of God, there goes I. You know, he just doesn't fit in, but he, we'll make him work. There's a place for him, right? And so we put all these things together. What is it that's going to keep us from falling out of the wall is the very thing that Jesus teaches. His principles, his standards, his truth. And so long as we are holding to him, we're connected to him. These are all going to be connected with mortar if you lay these together. And that mortar represents stuff in between that's called life that we're testing. And sometimes we're crap shows up, sometimes we're stressed, sometimes the wall begins to show stress. And we need to do something about it. Sometimes the wall needs attention. We call it tuck pointing as a mason. You go out and you take out the bad and put in the new. So God is in the business of restoration. You say, well, let's just throw it away. Let's make it. That person will never amount to much. And wait a minute. By the grace of God, there goes I. God is in the people business. God is in the building of a, a, a wonderful building that's beyond words. It's about people. In heaven, there's going to be peace. Yes, it's going to be a wonderful place. We have look forward to the streets of gold. I think there are colors there that we have yet to see. There is a sense that there's no other place but the people. Because Jesus died and invested, gave his life. He is preparing a place for you and I. Right now, we belong to him when we confess, when we acknowledge our Lord as our Savior, we are in his group, his saints. We become no longer strangers. We are given a place to grow and to live and to dwell. We're growing up. We're becoming. We're not there yet, but we're growing into. We may have days when we feel, oh my goodness. We may have one of those days when we may look at the Lord Himself, who told us. That in this life you will have trouble. He told us that one day has enough trouble of his own. Hello? He told us not to worry. 
He told us to seek him first. He told, uh, told his disciples that he was going away and they were devastated. But he told them, I will give you the helper and the Holy Spirit. God is aligning. He's building his church and he's coming back for his church. He's coming, he gave his life for the body of Christ. He gave his well, his whole being. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might know the righteousness of God. While I was wandering, while I was on my own, doing my own thing, the day will come that our works will be judged that whether they're wood, hay, or stubble, the judgment seat of Christ. It's not about salvation at that particular verse, but it's about our reward. And so if we have been found faithful, so sometimes I've, I've mentioned, as the wall goes higher, you have the bigger stones, you have smaller stones. Think of it this way. How important sometimes a small stone is supporting a larger stone? Everyone's important. Everyone has a place because Christ is the cornerstone. And when we line ourselves to his, we can stay in relationship. We can stay in the right path. It's his church. It's his family. Those who have had children and they've had children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they're God's children. You come to a place where you say, Lord, what's it going to take? Some of them are not on the right track. What's it going to take, Lord? And you go, you pray. And you pray that God will intervene. I believe that prayer is the battle. Prayer is the, the work that takes down the enemy footholds, takes the, and begins to break up the enemy's uh, tactics, so to speak. And all his plans are being thwarted and confused, and all of a sudden God shows up, and there's a God thing and a God instance. No longer are you strangers and aliens. Verse 19. You are the household, you are God's household. This foundation that Paul mentions having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the foundation he's talking about is Jesus. The truths that link to Jesus. When I was just coming out of high school, my brother said, you need to buy that little farmhouse across the way. I love the little spot. It was near our, near our farm where we grew up. It was by the river in Emberlinda. It was just a perfect, quiet little setting, something up my alley. I just wanted to have a peaceful little life, you know, and live by the river, and no problem. Just um, you know, live simple. Little did I realize when I started the project that there was actually water in, down about six feet that was there like a like a high water table 
And so I started to learn how to lay blocks during those years, and I got the idea, I'll get somebody with a professional. He'll lift the house up, and I'll go in and do my thing. And I did, and I was excited. Then I went away for college, and winter showed up, and guess what? In the spring, the crack showed up. And it really buckled the foundation because there wasn't any heat in the basement. So I share that probably just to make a reference to getting started right. You know, God gave me a way out of that. You know, I was able to sell it on, move, move away from it, just walk away from it. But we learn from our mistakes probably more than our successes, right? Right? You think about it. We learn probably more from our pain. And they say, we don't want that pain. And see, this is how it works with, with people. If people have been hurt by other people, it makes you sensitive. You put on a bit of a guard. You, you walk, you put on you more of an armor. When the spirit realm, when it comes to the things of God, people need to understand it. When you move toward God, you are you you have upset you have upset the other place, the other kingdom. It's it's good. If you're not having problems as a believer, well, that's a little bit that's a that's a that's a that's a kind of a bold statement. In other words, let me turn that around. If you're having problems as a believer, welcome to the kingdom. Let me explain. When you move away from self, and sometimes you think, well, it was easier when I was just living for myself. There was no accountability. It was just put loose, free, whatever. Make it up as you go along. All of a sudden, I moved toward God, and now I, I'm enjoying this, and I'm loving God, and I'm loving what God has for me, but I'm still struggling with stuff. Stuff still comes along. Remember this. Salvation is relatively easy. Once you say yes to God, you're convinced you can't save yourself. You say yes to God. Now the work begins. This is a big word, but it's sanctification. It's a big word for being God's person. It's a big word that means I don't belong to myself anymore. Okay? I don't belong to, I, I'm not just my own. I'm, it's what I might do might affect someone else, and therefore, help me, Lord. And so we just keep surrendering. We just keep going back and aligning ourselves. Sometimes the rocks want to jump off the wall. Sometimes the rocks want to bail. But our Lord keeps pulling us back. If you have unsaved loved ones, you once walked with God, claim them. They're yours, God. Put them in your hands. Hold them back. 
Hold them back. God loves the backsliders. And he, he also goes after those who do. He's just waiting, beckoning. Sometimes things happen to awaken people. You keep praying, you keep believing. But God wants whosoever will. For God so loved the whole world. None, that none should perish. That's just his heart, that none would perish. And his grace today is, is evident. Someday that grace will be turned to judgment. Right? And someday it will be hard, harder. And why don't we serve him now? What is the day of grace and mercy? He is so good. And so the judgment seat of Christ is all about what he will give to those who have been faithful. How you have had an attitude at your workplace. How you have served in the littlest ways. How you've even just smiled at people when they were strangers. When you were trying to open the door, so to speak, and to, and to be a friend to other people. There's so many ways I believe that God is going to give reward to God's people that are faithful. You're being built together into a dwelling place. We are never meant to be a lone ranger for God. We were never meant to be one stone. We are a number of stones. Varieties of people, every tribe, tongue, and nation, every people, every person has a soul and therefore God. Reaching out—that's the God we serve. That's the true God. That is because He's the one and only God. So I thought to kind of help our memory today to, to remember anything about this message. Thought about this church, an old church hymn that has a reference. It has a phrase in it. It says. Jesus sought me when a stranger. How many know that hymn? The title is, Come Thou Found. And so if we sing this song, where Jesus, it was in his heart before the foundations of the world. I want to invite Jesus. May this become a prayer to our God today remembering how we came. Even when we were wandering, doing our own thing, trying to find our way, then God, but God, intervened and interposed his love toward us.